Welcome to Adventures of a 20-something podcast, where we explore the ins and outs of navigating life in your 20s. This is a podcast for all the other self-discoverers, all the other people in the pursuit of purpose, all the other 20-somethings not sure what the heck they want to do with their life. So let's figure it out together with your host, a 23-year-old in a continual transition state of life herself, Ariana Sweetnich. Hey everyone, our special guest today is Megan Mulrine, an incredibly successful yoga teacher, writer, and influencer who is changing the world with her insightful wisdom and caring service. Megan is a teacher of teachers. She has lived all over the world and has so much to share about yoga and her personal journey in her 20s. And now, here's Megan. Um, thanks for joining us, Megan. Uh, we're here in Bali on New Salem Bongan. I'm on a yoga teacher training right now, and I really wanted to talk to one of the most amazing teachers we have here, oh, Megan. Um, Megan, do you think you could introduce yourself for everyone? Sure, yeah, my name is Megan Mulrine. Um, I'm a yoga teacher living in Bali now. I'm from the States originally, but yeah, I've been teaching yoga in some form, meditation and yoga, for nearly 10 years. Awesome. So maybe your age, your hometown, how you got over here. Cool. Yeah, I'm 28 years old. I was born just outside of Philadelphia in the Lehigh Valley in the States, so um, eastern Pennsylvania and eastern Pennsylvania, and was living there pretty much my whole life. Went to university there, Villanova University, not too far from home. And then kind of the classic story, I guess, of like your first job out of college is a soul-crushing cubicle job, <laughs> you know, that's sort of what I was dealing with because my degree was in English, my um, concentration was in writing and rhetoric, so I really mm. loved creative writing and storytelling. Cool. So that's what I always saw myself doing was being like a novelist yeah. or a writer of some sort. But there aren't that many creative writing jobs out there. There's a lot of scientific writing jobs, mm -hmm. you know. So I got hired by a laser engineering company and I was doing all of their uh, PR writing, all of their press releases, all of their marketing, all of their writing for their website and everything. And it hurt my brain wow. <laughs> a lot. That's so funny actually because I studied communication and French. Those were my two majors. Oh, cool. Um, and right after college, because I did an emphasis in PR, public relations as well. Um, and so my first job out of college was also in PR, but for the tech industry. Ah, so there was cool. all this crazy jargon, and I was going into PR because I wanted to do like a people-facing job and you know have practice my communication skills and stuff. But I found that I was just researching more about all the technicalities than yeah. doing what I really love. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's spot on what it was like for me too, because I had to write about these lasers that were being developed. So I was interviewing like engineers and they're explaining it to me in engineer language, but I have to put it out there to market it in so like difficult. layman's terms. Oh, it was so difficult. Yeah. But I think what I realized at that job, because the company was actually really amazing. Like my boss was amazing. He's always trying to make sure that I was happy and everything, but I just realized I couldn't live in a cubicle like that. Like I just couldn't live in that little box and let that be my life. And it's that kind of idea of like, then you look towards your future and every day, day in and day out looks the same. Yeah. You know, I don't know how like my parents did it or mm -hmm. how people who stay with the same company forever 
do it. Yeah. So I realized I needed to make a change. I was already really into yoga for a long time, and I had started teaching meditation while I was still in school to other writers and things. Yeah, and you said that your parents, you kind of grew up doing yoga because your parents liked yoga as well, right? Yeah, my mom in particular, okay. yeah, and she's still practicing to this day a lot, so it's always fun to talk to her, and, and she, yeah, she really found some spirituality through the practice, so awesome. I was introduced to it from a pretty young age, yeah. yeah. And then I really got into it in college, too, in university, because one of my professors there, a professor at the theater department, was, you know, a Catholic priest, Villanova's a Catholic university, and he was super into yoga, and he was teaching yoga all the time, so to get that kind of perspective on the practice was really cool, too. So that's when I started teaching meditation. That's so, so. interesting. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, at least with my experience, because I was raised Catholic as well, and I went to a Catholic university too. Cool. Um, Santa Clara University in California. Nice. Um, yeah. But sometimes I find that like the Catholic Church can be pretty conservative. Yeah. Um, and sometimes when I've expressed that I love yoga, the priests sometimes are like, oh, don't get too caught up in it. And they think that hmm. you can't do yoga and be Catholic at the same time. Right. Um, so it's very interesting. It's cool that you had yeah. a priest who is able to kind of integrate both of them. Right. And I think really prayer is meditation, you know, mm -hmm. is what it is. And something interesting lately, my my aunt, so there, my, I have an elderly aunt who lived at my parents' house for a long time, and she had cancer and when she was in the hospital she was obsessively saying the rosary beads over mm. and over again chanting her Hail Marys on her rosary beads and it was like the most profound application of Japa Mala meditation yep. like we learn it on the Hindu meditation beads it was exactly that you know just the repetition calmed her so much while she was in the hospital it's it's really the same definitely yeah, yeah. and there's it's the same in a lot of different other religious traditions as well it's like that the routine and then when you're going through a really hard time it's just the stability of something familiar and totally yeah, yeah. it's really cool yeah absolutely it's cool she had one time gone to you know this thing that like old catholic ladies do on wednesday nights where they go to church and it's it's called adoration mm -hmm. and i think it's just about like respecting honoring the eucharist kind of thing and she had come home one time with a pamphlet from adoration that said uh things to do during adoration right mm. and it was like the things that were listed were so cool because it was stuff like uh, list things that you're grateful for, you know, or choose someone in your life who's suffering and send prayers to them to bring them peace or pray oh. for world peace or all these things. And I was so like, pretty. it's so fascinating, though, if you think to like uh, Buddhist meditation techniques like metta meditation, mm -hmm. they're identical to that, you exactly. know, but she doesn't want to hear that, of course. Oh, you yeah. know? But I think we're all much more similar then we realize we are, you know, we create these divisions between religion and everything else when actually it's all the same. It all comes from that source of love, you know? Definitely, definitely. And that's like something I wanted to like address through this podcast mm. as well. It's like we label things and sometimes labels are helpful when we're trying to navigate through the world, but a lot of times it does, it just causes div like divisions and separations. And so um, having experiences on your own and then being open to other people's experiences not necessarily like trying to convince one another who's right and who's wrong but just hearing right. people out is 
the best way to like stay open-minded and learn about the world you know in a more holistic level right absolutely and it helps you connect closer to what resonates with you when you hear what else is out there you Mm -hmm. know what I mean if you're just in your own echo chamber there's nowhere to go from there you know exactly and yeah and if you stay in your own echo chamber I think you'd go a little crazy (laughs) yeah that's true absolutely (laughs) um cool so you decided a cubicle was not for you yeah that timeline went a little off so yeah flash forward to the cubicle and realizing that I couldn't do the same thing every day day in and day out I ended up moving to Virginia where my boyfriend at the time was doing his military training to be a marine and studied yoga there Iyengar style there that was the first teacher training that I did was in Virginia Beach Virginia got really into it decided I wanted to start teaching more asana and then my boyfriend then became my husband Mm -hmm. and we moved to Japan where he was being stationed so for three years we lived in Japan well really I lived in Japan because he was being sent all over Asia for Mm -hmm. trainings and things so I was learning Japanese teaching yoga teaching English in Japan and yeah it was really cool and Japan's a really amazing place because it's it's so safe like everything you hear about it being safe is absolutely true like we were our house was in a little Japanese village it was mostly older people who lived around and we were you know as you do in America you lock your bikes up outside Mm -hmm. of your house and our landlord asked us to stop locking our bikes because we were making it look like a dangerous neighborhood oh my gosh yeah (laughs) oh boy okay yeah no need bike locks there at all Super cool. People are like really trustworthy and it's just very community environment. I found that like in different cultures, it's more of a community feel rather than like, this is my bike. I don't want anyone to take it kind of thing. Yeah, that's exactly it. They're very, they're very much about the greater good. Mm -hmm. So even if you lose something on the side of the road, you lose your hat or something. If you go back the next day or even a week or two weeks later, someone will probably have hung it up on a fence post or a pole or something really visible at eye level. So you can see it right away and it'll just stay, you know, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you lived in Japan for three years. Three years, And what were you doing while you were living there? So I was teaching English there, a lot of different uh, classes, so from kindergarten all the way up to, like, older adults who were learning it for either for business or just as a hobby. Did you know any Japanese? Yeah, I was, there's different levels of formality of Japanese, Mm -hmm. so I've started out learning, like, the kindergarten level, which is only really for friends and family and, like, really familiar, Mm -hmm. so I'd have to apologize sometimes out in public (laughs) for, like, I don't know the polite way to say this, but... Uh, I think I've forgotten it all now, though, since being in Indonesia, (laughs) but yeah, and I was teaching yoga there, too, a lot of yoga, both on the Marine Corps base to the Marines and to the Marine Corps families that were there, and also out in town to Japanese women and, like, prenatal yoga classes for Japanese women, and also for a lot of my English students would come to yoga, too. Yeah, because when you were talking about um, teaching to the Marines, yoga and Marines don't always seem like they kind of blend well together. Right. Um, So could you talk a little bit more about that and maybe um, how they received it or how you had to modify it a little bit for them to be, you know, receiving it? Yeah, especially because you're right. Yoga philosophy is all about peace, right, and non-harming and loving. So it can seem a little antithetical to, like, the warrior mentality of these Marines. But it's kind of cool because if you look back at the ancient Hindu texts and where yoga came from and everything, they actually talk about the ethics of war quite a lot and about the greater good and your dharma, following your dharma or your life's purpose a lot in a way that I think 
is accessible to Marines as well. But on the other side of that, even just bringing in that sense of non-harming towards yourself and understanding of yourself, this is a message that like men in particular, I think, really need because men don't tend to open up emotionally to others in the same way that women do or, or accept that self-love into their heart to like spend time worrying about their self-talk, you Definitely. know, negative self-talk and stuff. So I think all of that's really beneficial to whether it's Marines or firefighters mm-hmm. or policemen or whatever it is. It's, it's, it's an amazing tool for them. Yeah, it's not just know. about connecting with your body. It's about connecting with your emotions as well and yeah. having a release for them and being okay with accepting what is. So I, I just think, I mean, yoga is amazing for everyone, but for men, I think that's a very untapped kind of sector of our population that don't maybe don't think that yoga is for them because they're men, right. but it's actually probably more beneficial to them because they're totally. not as used to being able to openly express their feelings. Right on, yeah. And this is why like suicide rates are higher in men than they are in women. Mm-hmm. Like men also, you know, if you look at gun violence in America, for example, when has it ever been a woman mm-hmm. going and shooting up a movie theater or something? And I heard uh, in like Psychology Today, there was an article thinking about how men oftentimes rely on the woman in their life, whether it's their mom or then later their girlfriend or their wife to be their emotional outlet. Mm. Guys don't tend to like bond with guy friends in and the have same detox. way. Yeah. Right. So then if it's a guy who's having trouble getting a girlfriend, you know, they aren't mm. that desirable or whatever it is, mm. then they feel like they have absolutely no one that they can open up to yeah. at all. And that's why you see like I don't know if you followed the news of these kinds of shootings mm-hmm. and stuff. Sometimes it's these guys who have written like manifestos against yeah. women, you know, yeah. and it's like, well, find that peace in yourself. You shouldn't have to rely just on a romantic partner yeah. for emotional release. So Yeah, it's a lack of um, having support, a, a lack of having an outlet. And yeah, so many problems, I think, in the world, not just gun violence, but so yeah. many other problems. I mean, even domestic violence against women could be, you know, addressed through things like yoga. Totally. It's very healing. Um, I think that's another thing, like, people repress their emotions a lot, and then that turns into, you know, physical ailments and right. uh, disease and... Yeah, it's just so beneficial in so many ways. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, So after Japan. Yeah, so while I was still in Japan, I was traveling to Bali pretty often to do teacher trainings. Mm -hmm. I did another 200 hour here, and then I did a 500 with Santosha back when they were in Uluwatu, the school that we're with now. Cool. And in between, I was doing some work for the company, some writing for them for the website and things like that. And then, yeah, decided to move here and make it official, make it full time. It's one of those things like the first time I was in Bali, it was like coming home. I felt Mm. like this was actually where I belonged and I like, you know, felt really uh, interested in the culture and everything. It really felt like home. So that's awesome. Yeah, it was great. And it's amazing to be here. I'm grateful every day for this island and the people. And I love Bali so much. Yeah, because you grew up with religion and spirituality is like a big part of your life, it sounds like. And so... Um, can you talk about maybe how Bali is spiritual and uh, like yeah. that energy made you feel at home? Completely, yeah. Bali is 
the most magical place on earth as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Not uh, biased or anything. <laughs> yeah, but even in like the spirit magic and stuff, you know, like the they talk about the history of Bali being that uh, there were so many spirits on this island that when the first settlers came over, that was what they were feeling was almost a hostile spirit presence there. And even to this day, the Balinese people lay out offerings every day of flower petals and incense and holy water, uh, basically to appease those spirits because the spirits allow the people to live on the island. So they're thanking them and keeping them happy so that we're all allowed to live here because otherwise they would be so hostile that like bad things would happen, oh, basically. Yeah. So it's kind of cool because here you see every single day, evening, morning, they're laying out the offerings. The air just smells like incense and flowers all the time. But even, you know, Balinese people all see these spirits. This is not some intangible kind of idea of a spirit. This is like something that they see wow. and they agree about and they'll honk their horns when they drive by a spirit on the side of the road oh and wave. It's like, yeah, it's really, it's really so tangible they see, to like, the Balinese people. Essentially like ghosts or how do you, have you talked to the Balinese person about Yeah, it? yeah. So they differentiate between spirits spirits like beings that are on another realm or another dimension mm. versus like ghosts which would be the spirit of someone who has died and hasn't yet passed on to the next life interesting so there's different level of wow. unseen beings i guess in the balinese belief yeah yeah and they do i mean i think it's any culture that has stayed in touch with its roots so much that they're fostering this stuff in their children generation after generation and even the meditation happening from such young ages that they're able to experience kind of heightened levels of consciousness higher than what a lot of us in the West are able to access just because it's been scared out of us for so long, really, for totally. generations and generations. Definitely. So. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people hearing this might be like, oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting. crazy. But yeah. if you open your mind to it, it makes so much sense because there are, I mean, there's just so many dimensions and science has proven now and like with movies like Interstellar and stuff, you know that it's not just like what we see is happening. It's right. much, much bigger and deeper than that. So. Yeah, I mean, even on the simplest basic level, it's like we have so many rods and cones in our eyes that allow us to see certain colors, mm -hmm. right? But there are other animals that have far more. Dogs have a lot less, but like the mantis shrimp has like 12 wow. rods and cones. So they can see a whole different rainbow than we can see, you know? Oh. So where are those colors to us? They're there. Yeah. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, they can see into like the ultraviolet. They can see like all oh additional gosh. colors and we can. So it's kind of that idea of like there's a lot that we can't see mm -hmm. with our naked eye. And even though it sounds really crazy to say spirits and this and that, it's like I think if anybody thinks back to their entire life, there are always unexplained things mm -hmm. that have happened, right? Coincidences that don't quite make sense with the logical mind or or uh, even moments of like deja vu mm -hmm. that they say might be from past life experiences yeah. or something. It's like everyone has psychic phenomenon stories mm -hmm. that we all just don't really talk about. Because we're scared. Because we're scared. Yes. Yeah, because we don't want to sound crazy. Or because we deny it in our own minds because we think that it's nothing um, right. because of what we've been conditioned to think. Exactly. It must be a trick of the brain. I mm -hmm. must have been tired or mm -hmm. had too much coffee or something. Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah. It's harder here when you're in Bali because you see stuff with your own eyes that you would have never thought you could see. I know. <laughs> I was out on the ocean the other day. We were traveling to Nusa Penida, the island right next door, and um, I saw this boat by itself going through the water. It was <laughs> insane. And I have no idea how it was just like... <laughs> 
it, there was no motor. It was like a canoe. Whoa. And I was just like, is everyone else seeing this? Oh <laughs> my God. That's yeah. Wild. I mean, you could probably explain it somehow, but I was just like mind <laughs> blown. Crazy? Yeah. 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 Or they even, I mean, this stuff is so popular and so much a part of the culture here that they even like, if you go to a wedding or a big event ceremony or something, there are Balinese priests, like shamans who will come and pray the weather away. They're like weather shamans. So they'll keep wow. the rain away and you can watch this. Like you'll be there and you'll see it with your own eyes. A guy like chanting, they ring the bell, chanting, praying. And then he like checks his watch and is like, ah, you guys only paid me for three hours. Can I, is it time? Can I let it go now? Can I let it go? And then they're like, yeah, yeah, you can let it go. And slowly it starts to drizzle. No way. <laughs> I swear. Slowly it starts to wow. rain a little harder. Oh my gosh. That's I know. just crazy. And trust me, I'm as big a skeptic as anyone. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you just, once you're in a place like this where it's being practiced yeah. constantly. That's so It's really hard to deny. Yeah. So Balinese believe in past lives and reincarnation? Yeah. Yep. All Hindu do. Balinese, uh, the Indonesia is one of the, it's actually the largest Muslim majority country in the world. But this little island of Bali in the country of Indonesia is Hindu. Mm and a very traditional Hindu from long, long ago. So they've really kept with their own practices, which are quite different even from like India, Hinduism in India, cool. for example. And you said that yeah. you studied with um, a Balinese healer who yeah. does like past life regression, is that right? He, yeah, I mean, he, I don't think he tells too many people, well, maybe he does actually, yeah. So this, this healer, his name is Pak Merta Ada, he's quite famous in Bali, and you can go and do his meditation retreats, he does silent meditation retreats similar to Vipassana style retreats, where basically he is working with uh, what we call samskaras in the body, so samskara means like impressions on the body, and these can be left from emotion like anger or jealousy or it can be from trauma mm -hmm. um, something that's stored in the body to create a certain effect and he believes that a lot of diseases are caused by holding on to certain samskaras yeah. so, which makes sense like Eckhart Tolle talks about pain body exactly. um, holding trauma in the body and not um, releasing it in any way and it eventually causes a blockage of some sort right yeah. totally so according to Pakmerta Ada those blockages can come from like genetic sources passed down through family lines or from past lives from uh, something that happened some trauma that happened in a former life could be from even things that you're eating in this life or from emotional states in this life and he essentially teaches people how to meditate to clarify those samskaras, to purify the samskaras and get rid of them mm -hmm. uh, so that they aren't causing you the pain or the trauma in this wow. life anymore. Wow. So yeah. everything from like what kind of diseases does he cure? Yeah. <laughs> I know it's hard to make these claims, but he would say that he has cured a lot of people of can Well, not that he's cured. He doesn't even talk about it like that. Like you can cure yourself mm -hmm. of cancer. Mm -hmm. Help them through it. Help them through it. Help yeah. them meditate to, to send positivity to those areas of the body wow. that are diseased and then people I mean I've talked to a lot of people who have worked with him who have had incredible results on whatever their issue was whatever their disease was but a lot of cancer has been cured through this kind of wow. meditative thinking yeah. my what I generally say is like you know Sebastian probably said to you mm -hmm. like don't accept or reject just contemplate yeah that's kind of how I feel about it but in the end it's like if you're faced with a debilitating disease like that with a terrible prognosis why not just try it? Yeah, it's not going <laughs> to hurt, for sure. Yeah, what's I mean, harm? it might be emotionally difficult, but yeah. it'll make you stronger. Right, and to go and take, you know, seven days out of your life to do a silent meditation retreat, uh, 
if it doesn't cure your cancer, at least it'll get you to know yourself a little bit better mm -hmm. too, you know, but Definitely. really the results are sometimes astonishing, That's you know. That's so interesting, yeah. yeah. And I think, well, at least in California, we're getting more uh, open to like holistic healing and yeah. blending Western and Eastern traditions of medicine kind of together. But cool. um, I think it can definitely be practiced more if we just open our minds to it. Like yeah. you don't have to necessarily understand it or even believe it, but if you try it and it works, then it's right. great serving its purpose. Exactly. And that's what it comes down to. Like our minds are way more powerful than we realize they are. And even the power of suggestion is so powerful. You know, mm -hmm. it's so strong. And there's even a, I forget the guy's name, but there's a Netflix special out now of this guy who's like a magician. He calls himself a magician, but he uses like, evangelical healing techniques to be like ah the power of the holy spirit's going into you and healing you but he says right off the bat this isn't actually the holy spirit this is the power of your mind so it's kind of whatever oh, you want to believe kind of like a placebo effect almost but even saying that and that's the thing even the placebo effect sometimes even when you know it's a placebo it can still work totally. you know because it's about your mind mm. completely so yeah it's that whole the power of suggestion to actually heal or the power of the mind to actually overcome these things is pretty incredible I just got tingles. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Yeah. And there's loads of research going into this now by, you know, not just yogis, but real life scientists. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I could talk to you about this all day, but I kind of yeah. wanted to, like, you're quite young, you're 28, and you've already lived in so many different places and experienced different cultures and yeah. had a lot of different, like, uh, career experiences. Um, I wonder, like, how do you view this period of your life right now and... Um, are you like how has your idea of success transformed over this decade? Oh yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, because I I always say that I don't feel like I'm much of a traveler. Actually, I'm more like a settler. You know, <laughs> like to be in Japan for three years and then already in Bali for two years and planning to stay a while longer. I like to stay and get to know a place a little better. So, I think it's really about staying open-minded and open-hearted you know but as far as your question about success I'm sure when I was younger and not that long ago I really had a uh a lot of attachment to the idea of money meaning success right or this idea of oh, someday I'll make more money someday I'll make more money and then I think I met enough people especially here in Bali people who are coming through and they were following a different path not a path that was trying to lead to money but a path that was trying to lead to bringing more joy into the world, bringing more goodness into mm -hmm. the world, or following their own heart, or people who have just surrendered and said, whatever comes into my path, that's the direction I'll go in. And I found that there are so many different paths that your life can take, actually. And and maybe the one that's right for you is the one that feels right. Yeah. <laughs> I know that's corny. No, it makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. like I just realized when you're chasing money, there's never an end point to that game. When you're chasing anything. When you're chasing anything. Yeah. That's so true. It's always, there's always going to be a want for more and more mm -hmm. and more. People's money problems don't go away mm -hmm. when they're rich. Exactly. In fact, people with a lot of money have a lot more, more money, more problems, <laughs> you could say. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Pop I've culture. heard it said before. It well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, definitely. And, and they find that it doesn't, bring them happiness it just brings them more stress and I guess it just it comes down to are you going to be reflective enough and figure out what's important to you and why you're living the life that you're living or are you just going to go according to like the external expectations of a person totally. in society 
Totally. I think, yeah, that's the big takeaway is being accepting of other paths, knowing that just because you might have thought you need to get married, have a kid by a certain age, have a perfect job or whatever, that that's imaginary. You know, that's someone else's imaginary idea. And especially moving into the future now, those cubicle jobs are going to become fewer and further between anyway, because more and more is moving online. It's you're able to travel and to work. And think don't let anybody put their idea of success onto you or don't mm-hmm. accept it as your own you know definitely yeah yeah and being adaptable now it's especially relevant now with all the technology that's changing so quickly like you got to just learn to be adaptable and go with the flow right on yeah yeah one more question um, okay. before I let you go um, <laughs> we're late for class yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. um what would you give your 19-year-old about to turn 20 self? Like, what advice would you give her knowing what you know now? Oh, my God. I think about this often. If I could just talk to that person. I, I'm not kidding you guys. When I went to college, when I went to university, less than an hour away from my parents' house, I cried for, like, the first Aww. two weeks probably. <laughs> like, maybe even longer. Like, I thought that that was so far and it was so like I had this comfort of my home at a really nice upbringing you know so I was like oh no like so far away from home Mm -hmm. and now I've lived in Asia for five years like I think that 18 year old 19 year old girl would be absolutely shocked to see what the future ended up bringing so whatever it is that you're going through as a 19 year old don't think that that's all life has to offer or Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to be stuck because you can change entirely at any moment Definitely. That's amazing advice. Yeah, I think that it helps to know that everything is always changing, whether it's good, whether it's bad, it's probably not going to stay the same for long. So take advantage of it now if it's great and know that it's going to pass if it's bad. Yeah, 100%. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and um, uh, it was great getting to talk to you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. A big thank you to Megan for taking the time out of her busy schedule to talk and share with us. I could have kept the conversation going for hours, but I try to keep these episodes somewhere in the range of 20 minutes to match the podcast theme. Thank you to all the listeners for joining us on another adventure of a 20-something. If you'd like to hear more from Megan, check out her website at www.yogatrotter.com. Yoga, Y-O-G-A, T-R-O-T-T-E-R.com. She is also offering a writer's retreat in Bali coming up in July. If you'd like to hear some of her guided meditations, look up Yoga Trotter on Spotify, iTunes, or YouTube. If you like this episode, you can rate it and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you are using. Keep listening in for more fun with some 20-somethings to come. Thank you! Thank you!